0: Okay, let's see if I remember how to do this. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Finding Japan, episode 64. Has it been that long? Oh, God, I don't even know how long it's been since I've done the last podcast here. I may even just take a look. Welcome, everybody. How are you doing? This is Christopher, and this is the last episode of Finding Japan. I can't say Japan's first podcast. can't even say Japan's best podcast, but it's certainly one of the podcasts. Hi, everybody. How are you doing today, this evening, tonight, morning, wherever you may be, whatever time it may be, welcome to the very last episode of Finding Japan. I hope uh, that you stick around and we get to wrap up this podcast together. It's been 64 episodes. Well, not really. I'll talk about that in a little while. But really, 64 episodes total. That's 8 times 8. Makes for a great grid that I'll put together on the, uh, the final page here. But anyway... It's been, wow, since June 28th, where I did my last podcast, episode 63, wrapping it up. I can't believe it has really been that long ago, and if I felt really motivated, I would calculate how many days that was. But alas, I haven't. Let's say it's been about five and a half months since I've done a podcast. Have you missed me? Of course you have. I've missed you guys, too. Okay, well... (laughs) I don't even know where to begin here, because we have a lot of ground to cover. Uh, What I'm going to do this episode is I'm going to wrap up some of the things that I've enjoyed with this episode, really try to put a cap on the whole experience of living and working and having fun in Japan, and hopefully you guys will stick around for the ride. Um, I have a large outline to go through here. God, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to listen to some clips Um, we're going to reminisce a little bit about some of my favorite stories from Japan. Um, we're going to do a lot of things. So without any further ado, let me just sort of kick it off as we kick off the very last episode of Finding Japan. (laughs) So I guess the first thing I want to talk about is just what's been going on over these last five and a half months uh, since I did that last podcast. Well, the last podcast I kind of talked about um, what was going to come up um, over the next few weeks. Uh, we landed back in the United States, um, or I did actually, um, my fiance at the time left before me and... Um, I went back and caught up with her, and we got married. So I am now officially married to the lovely Linda, and she's even more lovely now. So uh, that was a lot of fun, a great experience, and obviously uh, makes it difficult to podcast when you're going through something like that. Um, a lot of planning, a lot of running around, but uh, it was totally worth it. So highly recommend uh, the getting married thing, and things have been really good as well. Uh, after the fact. But alas, no, that's not the reason why I haven't been podcasting. I have finished up my last, no, my, not my last, my second to last semester uh, here in South Carolina at uh, my MBA program. And um, it has taken up quite a bit of time. I've had more classes uh, this semester, and they've been more difficult than um, I had any of the previous semesters. And unlike being in Japan, where looking back on it now, uh, I had a lot of free time uh, I haven't had much free time lately. So now is the, or actually this week is the first week where I've had a large amount of free time. So now I'm finally able to start getting through all of this material that I have. Um, I've spent probably the last week and a half just prepping for this episode. I'm raring to go. And, um, I hope that, uh, the last five and a half months have, have not been, uh, too bearing or too overbearing. Um, I'm not. I'm not quite sure if there's still a lot of people listening. I haven't checked the stats or anything. But really, um, as I'll explain a little later, uh, this podcast will complete in a different form and will be archived for later viewing, later listening, whichever you prefer. And um, I hope it'll serve to sort of stand alone on its own as a complete body of work. So. That's the plan. That's what I've been up to. Let's just get right in to this final episode. So I I thought a lot about how I wanted to go ahead and do this. And I started first by going through every episode. And, you know, there's so many experiences. There's so many things that happened in Japan that um, I could just talk forever about every single episode. And um, going through the episodes and the show notes... I uh, thought what I would do is sort of break it up into categories here and kind of come through eh, maybe the top three or four things I really enjoyed about Japan and then use the episodes to back it up. So that's what we're going to do here. Um, One thing that, uh, well, eh, should I do an introduction? I'm going to do all the post-production later, so I don't even know how this is going to turn out. i may cut some of this out, if you know what I mean. I'm feeling spunky today. Anyway. Um, What I will do first is we'll go over, let's see, one of the things I enjoyed most about Japan, which is conversations with strangers. Uh, I have three clips here, Um, maybe even four clips, I think, when it all comes down to it. Um, But one of the things that I love to do in Japan was just to have random conversations with strangers. Now, as you know, I was learning Japanese while in Japan. Um, Great place to do it, by the way. And um, I often ran into people uh, that were curious about foreigners or were curious about uh, speaking English or someone learning Japanese. And uh, one of the first encounters that I actually had caught on tape was in Episode 7. And in Episode 7, I I went to a quiet park uh, north of my neighborhood, and um, I was able to find um, a bench to just sort of sit down on and relax, and I uh, came across a gentleman who was enjoying the, uh, the flowers with me, so to speak. And uh, this was my first conversation with a complete stranger, I think. Pro- actually, probably not. But the first one that was captured on tape. And um, a lot of people had commented in the blog afterwards um, about how they were uh, impressed with my Japanese ability. But in reality, I think I, I, I said a lot of uh, things that were wrong so why don't we sort of transport ourselves all the way back to April 6th of 2007 that's when the episode was released but uh, for this purpose let's just say that it's that day makes me feel better okay let's go back to April 6th 2007 and take a listen to one of my first conversations with a random person on the street in Japan Hi job Sakura is I'm I'm Arubaito no shotoa mo. Arubaito. Hi. Looking back on, on that encounter, I, I realized how terrible my Japanese was actually. Um But one of the things that I thought was really nice is, you know, they say Japanese people are usually reserved and uh, quiet and not really fearful but hesitant to approach people who uh, may not speak the language, but um, I I certainly found that to be not always the case, and um, this was one of the first times that uh, I had the opportunity to prove myself wrong. Um, Well, I thought the same way before, but I would prove myself wrong by talking to this guy. So um, one of the things that uh, you'll find uh, in the Finding Japan catalog of all 64 episodes, um, you'll find me talking to random people sometimes. Um, and this was probably, probably the best example. Um, another really good example comes from episode 24, uh, where, where I had to do a interview project for my class and um oh this was just so much fun i remember going uh across the Waseda campus trying to stop students who are otherwise busy or i mean you know how college students are they don't really most of them are nice but of course you know you know you come up to them and try to ask some questions and you know obviously you're a foreigner and you're struggling with language and they kind of look at you and go what's this guy doing wasting my time well we certainly got a bit of that and uh, that came across when we tried to interview three girls and um, take a quick listen as Alex and I, Alex being uh, one of my classmates in the uh, Japanese one class we were at. Um, he's from France and um, English is his second language so I guess Japanese was maybe his third or maybe English is his third, I'm not sure. Um, and if he's listening, um, hey Alex, how you doing? I haven't talked to you in a while but I hope things are well. Alex is still in Japan studying and uh, working uh, at the university there. so hello, Alex. Um, but let's take Alex and the rest of you back to episode 24, um, and I'm going to play two clips here, one from an interview uh, that we did with two girls. So here we go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but
0: just of How is that? Yeah, i not eating. Really. Let's do it. Do you want me to do introductions? Yeah. Okay. Shut up. Shut
2: Tell her that we are uh, Japanese students and we want to make an interview. Because if you, if you ask, if do you have time? Maybe they, maybe they mean, you know, that our our hearts are not so pure. <laughs> yeah. See? That could be it. Maybe, um, because they, uh, they, they look a little bit scared.
3: Yeah, kind of. Um, or maybe it would just be better I mean, to I mean, talk I, to I, guys.
2: I actually, they had time. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's obvious. <laughs>
0: That was really funny. Alex had a good point. The way we were asking them is kind of like, hey, do you have the time? <laughs> Not quite sure if what we were doing sounded like a pickup line. But anyway, we got denied, literally nighed, by uh, these uh, young girls here, and that, that was that was pretty funny. Um, I, I, I totally forgot about that till I started doing the research for this episode, and I thought that was a lot of fun. But um, we did have some success. So here's a clip from our third interview. Uh, we were asking someone about... Uh, music groups and where they listen to music. Uh, I think uh, uh, Japanese music was our theme for uh, our interview project. So here comes the third and, and, and slightly more successful interview.
2: I think we're finished because we've interviewed four people now. Four people? You think we're finished now? I mean we can interview some more. You want to? Yeah. Okay, let's do that.
4: Sumimasen <laughs> <laughs> ga,
2: I'm a interview.
5: okay
0: to
2: uh, uh, はい
5: to
0: the SMAP。Mr. Children, triceratops. Oh, triceratops.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: i
5: I'm
0: I'm going to Do I'm Do It's amazing what actually learning Japanese in a classroom will help you do. Um, that was much more successful and um if you don't know Japanese, uh, maybe just sort of enjoy the uh the sounds of the campus there. And uh, we'll we'll talk about sounds a little later, actually. I got a whole set of clips for you guys about sounds. Um, But yeah, it was a lot of fun being able to interact with Japanese people. And um, I did have some experience with the friends that I made in Kamata. And obviously, um, I had some really good friends uh, who I'll talk about a little later um, who still live in Japan. Uh, But yeah, it was a lot of fun to go around the campus and just interview people and hang out. And um, it's a beautiful campus, Waseda. And if you ever have the opportunity to go visit Tokyo, um, just head a little north of uh, Shinjuku and that'll take you right up to um, uh, Takara no Baba. And from there you can walk to the Waseda campus if you shoot out of the uh, uh, Takara no Baba station. Uh, You should be able to see a map there, and you can just kind of walk down there. There's a ton of great restaurants down there, very beautiful walks, some gardens, and, of course, uh, you have the campus there. You can just walk right through. So take that as a little recommendation if you're heading into Tokyo. All right, now uh, I want to talk about less conversations with strangers and uh, conversations with people that I actually know. Um, As you know, if you're listening to this podcast or have listened in the past, Um, you will know that I am a huge fan of Japan's first podcast, Tokyo Calling. Uh, You can find it at tokyocalling.org. And uh, that lovely podcast is run by a gentleman and a person I consider a friend, uh, Mr. Scott Lockman. Uh, He's been at this for quite a while. Um, I feel like uh, he's finally settling into his game there with podcasts. Uh, But one of the things I appreciate about Uh, Scott so much is he's constantly experimenting and constantly challenging his own ways of thinking, and he loves bouncing ideas off of other people and, um, of course, off of his listeners as well, as you know, if you uh, listen to the podcast. Well, uh, in episode 13, Scott and I did a dual interview where we both brought some recording gear. Uh, We met up at a, uh, I think it was a coffee shop in front of a hotel lobby uh, somewhere near... Uh, Scott, you're gonna have to help me out here. Um, some somewhere near Korakuen, I think, because uh, I remember the uh, the big. There's a structure in Korakuen. It's very very famous, and uh, I think we were around there. And uh, Scott and I just sort of met up and uh, shoot, the, uh, shot the breeze. I guess you could say. <laughs> I almost said shot the breeze. I, I <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, um, yeah, we, we had some fun there and, um, the great thing that I love about this clip and, uh, the episode actually is a funny episode because, uh, I, I too was experimenting with trying the, uh, the podcasting format and trying different things and, and this whole episode came off like an NPR bit. It, it was really funny and I was, I was really getting into like doing the, uh, the little talking in between the clips and editing it all up nice and, uh. I had a lot of fun doing the episodes. So if you have some time, go back and listen to episode thirteen. It's it's a great listen. Um, but I'm just going to play a little portion here uh, with Scott, and uh, I, I don't know how much I'll stick in there eventually. But uh, take a listen to this and l- listen to. I don't know. I, I don't know if the clip actually has the uh, the parts where I'm talking in between the clips. But it's it's a blast if you listen to it. And uh, what else was funny? Oh yeah. Uh, at the beginning of, of this, you'll hear in the background, some background music, and, and there's like a uh, an instrumental version of Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, which really added to the whole uh, ambiance of uh, of uh, this, uh, this clip here. So I, I really enjoy this, and um, take a listen. Next, I asked Scott a little bit about why people listen to Tokyo Calling. In his comments, he was pretty modest, but... I really think that Tokyo Calling is something different to offer. We tried to dig into that topic just a little bit, and I think we've only touched the top. I think the larger question really is though, why do people listen to podcasts that don't have a particular theme in general, or that seem to focus on a particular person?
6: I I think one thing, as I've said it before, is just the timing that I got in. I was in at the beginning and wound up on that first directory that Adam Curry put together, and then when iTunes um, went online with podcasting, it was there. I hit Tokyo Calling interchangeable, but it was on the, the first level of directory there, and it was also featured on the front page a few times, and also, I think, if I do say so myself, I think it's a, a good name. There's, there's a very good brand potential. I don't think that potential's ever been fulfilled as it could be, but just the name Tokyo Calling. I think if you had any interest in Japan or punk rock with The Clash or whatever mm-hmm. or even old te- telephony you know, international long distance calls
5: yeah.
6: what is it I'll, I'll check it out you know, Tokyo Calling who's not interested in Tokyo in some way it's you know, like a, an enigma to sort of like the with.
0: umbrella over the city in podcasting
6: world uh, yeah well not, not Tokyo Calling itself but just the topic of Tokyo I think yeah, is awesome. interesting to, to, to many people just because I don't know why but, but I think if someone just looked at the brand itself
0: Instead, said who do I think that is? It would it could be
5: anything
6: anyway, and it could be solid Yeah so. you mean the name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's but then they come, and I don't know how many people come and never come back or just listen for five minutes and, and turn The recurring theme in the comments to come back is that people
5: are eager to hear
6: one person telling his or her story because it's so rare in comparison to commercial media and what's out there. And then, as you mentioned, probably the majority of the podcasts are in that second camp where they're trying to fit into a pre-existing genre or make it like a show with segments and features, which is what I tried to do as well, because we think we would like to emulate what we've heard, mm-hmm. so... Maybe that's a, I think, rich Pav, as you say, has sort of done that even more so, rich uh, is kind of really out there. I, you mentioned that he, you think that he is thinking about what is interesting for listeners. Maybe so, but I even get more of the sense that he's just doing whatever he wants and he doesn't really care at some point. I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, hmm. sort of... Well, this the, is me, and this is what I want to say.
0: The reason why I say that is because he does do some level of editing and selection,
5: because
0: mm. he will record a podcast or something and say, no, "I didn't like it, so I put it in the chum bucket." Mm. Yeah,
5: it's just so the chum
0: bucket, the chum bucket. <laughs> and uh, but some of the podcasts will go through and he'll edit and he'll put in the like, song. Mm-hmm. So there is some discretion there, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you're right. I, I appreciate. I think I caught a video of him playing frisbee mm-hmm. with one of those kids. Just thirty seconds of frisbee yeah. via the mouth. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I, I think. Trademark mouth. Camera. Yeah, trademark. <laughs> I, I think it's an interesting. Um, it, it's an interesting time to be self-publishing. I'm interested to see what people do. I just realized that clip didn't have the uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. I think it was earlier in the episode, actually. But anyway, go go have a listen. That's another classic, classic finding Japan. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I hope I hope you guys don't mind. I'm just having fun with this episode, putting putting this all together. I mean, this has just been such a blast. Um, I was actually talking to my friend Saya last night over instant messenger. and Telling her uh, how much I miss Japan and the people there. And trust me, putting this episode together does not make me happy about being back in the States at all. Uh, there's a lot of things I missed about Japan. Um, one of the things that I miss the most, actually, is uh, the sounds of Japan. Um, y- you know, going around and podcasting, whether it be on my phone or with the eterol, which is what I'm using now, um, it was just a lot of fun to capture some of the sounds now, um, you know, it's podcasting, so you're listening to something. You know obviously, I would take pictures as well and try to post those with the episodes, but the sounds always amazed me, and uh, what amazed me even more were the sounds that I didn't expect. Uh, I would be doing an episode, and all of a sudden, um, something would happen. I said, "Wow, that's a great sound," and I would have to pause. Um, one of the sounds that I remember so clearly is the sound of the Yaki-emo truck. Uh, the uh, roasted potato truck that used to drive through my neighborhood when we lived over there in uh, Sumiraku. So from episode 11 here is uh, one of the most famous sounds of Japan uh, from the Finding Japan series, and this is the sound of the roasted potato truck. Yeah. And the Yaki Imo truck was only one of many illustrious vehicles that would crawl through the small streets of our neighborhood. We used to have the truck that would come through asking for old electronics, like uh, air conditioners and, uh, I don't know what else, televisions, et cetera. The, uh, you know, I think the Yaki Imo truck drove through maybe four or five times before I finally went down there to buy a roasted potato. And I think it was 300 yen, which is about, at the time, it was about maybe 275 US dollars. And uh, it, it wasn't that good, <laughs> actually, looking back on it. It was a little dry, but um, no, it was a lot of fun. Um, so that was, a, that was a blast, the Yaki Emo truck. And uh, throughout the year, Alex and I, my roommate, uh not my classmate Alex uh, my roommate Alex uh we would try to perfect the uh the Yakiimo song um and uh we got pretty good at it. I don't know if I ever recorded it, but uh we got pretty good at it and uh that's always a source of uh fun out at a bar here in the United States and just bust out with the Yakiimo song, so that's been quite a bit of fun there. We got a lot of mileage out of the Yakiimo truck. <laughs> Um, next is a, a clip from episode 40 uh where I was taking a walk through Asakusa. Um I believe this day I was just kind of cruising around and um checking out a bunch of different storefronts, etc. I'm actually going to pull up the episode page here. Um but one of the things that was really great about this episode is I ran across a sound I didn't expect and this is what I dubbed the uh the zombie cleaning crew. Um Also in this episode was an audio clip from Sumo Wrestling, if you want to check that out. Uh, There was an Only in Japan and some stories about homelessness. Um, But clearly, clearly the highlight of this episode was the zombie cleaning crew clip. And uh, I'm going to play that for you right here. I think this one was actually recorded on my cell phone, so it doesn't come across very well, but I'm sure you'll enjoy. So enjoy the zombie cleaning crew clip. To this day, I'm still not exactly sure what they were trying to do. Um, in that episode, I sort of described what I was seeing, so I'll leave it to the uh, episode itself if you want to go check that out. But that's that was another great sound of Japan, and I it's funny because I can remember exactly what corner it was on, and uh, uh, God, those sounds really bring you back. Um, it reminds me I was just listening to Scott Lockman's latest episode of Tokyo Calling, or not his latest. The, I think it was 128 or 127. And uh, he was at the corner of uh, Ginza, major corner there where there's the, a the department store and what he called the Jumbotron. Uh, and I remember it as the, uh, the high vision hour or something like that. <laughs> they have the, this huge high definition, uh, it's not a television, it's a set of small LEDs. And, uh, it, you know, he, he was sort of sharing with uh, his audience. Uh, as well as myself, the sounds and sights, and it just brought me right back to that exact intersection. And um, because while I was in Japan, I, I didn't have a car, I had a bike for a short period of time, uh, but because you don't have a car, you you really tend to recognize intersections much more uh, because you're usually walking. And hearing things like this zombie mob clip, I can remember the exact intersection in, in front of the garden in Asakusa, uh, there's actually a, uh, I think it's a, I want to say it's a, some sort of museum for actors or it's like a an act, actor's museum or a uh, Japanese theater museum, something like that. But it was right there in front of that intersection. So I don't know. If you've never been to Japan or Asakusa, you're like, okay, whatever. Um, but if you have been, um, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's what these types of sounds do. They bring you right back. Uh, Another one, too, was, uh, let's see, we have a clip from episode 48 where I toured various coffee houses. Um, Didn't really go door-to-door, but basically we did a a sound tour of um, some of the uh, different coffee environments, as you know, with the coffee episodes, which we'll we'll talk about in a little bit as well. Um, But in that particular episode, uh, episode 48, we did a tour of some of the coffee houses there. And if I can remember exactly which one's here. Yeah, let's see. We did a sound tour of Starbucks in Asakusa, a uh, coffee shop at Waseda University, Excelsior in Ikebukuro, and Do in Ueno Station. And that was a great one because that's right under the uh, Shinkansen. So you, you're you able to hear the uh, trains go by overhead and it would shake the uh, the table and you could hear the coffee dishes the cup and the saucer rattle. That was a lot of fun. So if you're into sort of the coffee sounds, check that out. That's episode 48. Um, Another great episode was episode 53 where I went with some classmates to go try and find Guitar Hero uh, in Asakusa. And we walked through some of the arcades in Ikebukuro. That was a lot of fun. And at that time I had the, uh, what was it, the Edderall. The uh, uh, Was it the handheld recorder? Sorry, the thing I'm talking into right now as I stare at it. And um, that was sort of a cacophony of sounds, uh, a really great sound seeing experience where uh, we go up and down through various different levels of arcades looking for Guitar Hero. And eventually we found it. And because uh, we were trying to describe to um, one of our classmates, Im who had never seen this game and we were trying to describe it to her so we're like oh let's go find it and uh, that was a blast episode 53 called finding guitar hero Uh, what else was in that episode I'm trying to remember Um, a couple stories about working full-time so I don't know go check it out if you like that another one that's a lot of fun was the QB cut cast uh, where I did two episodes is episode 39 where I talked about getting my hair cut at uh, QB House, and uh, actually no, it was episode. Huh, I think there's two episodes of QB House. Ah oh, man, I miss I missed the thousand yen haircuts. I wonder if they're still a thousand yen. Can someone in Japan let me know? Are they are the haircuts at QB House still a thousand yen? I hope so. But anyway, no. In episode 51, I uh, got a haircut at QB House and podcasted the whole thing. And then actually posted episode fifty-one redo as the entire thirty-minute uh, end-to-end unedited version of the getting your haircut at QB House experience. So check that out if you're interested. And then last but not least, we did a all sound podcast episode sixty-one, the mother of all sounds of Japan podcast, if I do say so myself, where. Uh, we did 16 clips of sounds from Japan that covered uh wow quite a long time period from let's see goes all the way back to May of 2007 and all the way to April of 2008 lots of different uh sounds uh including uh what it's like to ride the Yurakucho line i covered uh Let's see, crows at uh, my university, um, some classroom audio where we were talking about, uh, was it Korean, Korean school girls uh, in our oral expression class? Another one where our class was singing some lame SMAP song, <laughs> doing like an impromptu karaoke. Uh, we were watching the uh, disaster preparedness video at the Tokyo Bull Saikon, which is their disaster preparedness center. Some video about smoke inhalation. Um, Some awesome French elevator music in a coffee shop. Uh, Some audio from Kobe. Hanging out in the planetarium. Got some great audio from the Tokyo Giants game. A sumo match. Uh, The Kanamara Matsuri, also known as the uh, Kawasaki Penis Festival. Great stuff in there. Um, Go check that out, too. Uh, The Kawasaki Penis Festival is a sight to behold. Uh... Let's see, some sounds in Irabashi as walking through some of the stores around there and uh, some drumming in a small park in Shinjuku that Linda and I ran into uh, just before we climbed Mount Fuji. So check that out. But uh, two of my favorite clips that I'm going to uh, play for you now from that episode are uh, the guy in the 7-Eleven at the building that I worked at in Ariake. And this guy had, I, I believe, the best irashai se of any storekeeper that I've heard in a podcast. Um, kind of hard to hear him in this one. Um, you can kind of hear him in the background. But what, what really makes this clip, I think, um, one of the best clips that I've ever recorded, was a combination of the sounds that the shopkeepers are making as well as the... Uh, the music that's being played. So let, let's listen into this clip really quick. One of the things that I love about that clip is the do uh, do. How's it go? It goes do do. Oh man, I used to have that stuck in my head all the time. Every Seven Eleven plays that over and over and over again. But yeah, um, the music that they play in the convenience stores is just awesome. It's it's really cool. Um, another one I'm going to play for you right now um, is uh, actually a clip from uh, Lawson's trip from episode 44. Uh, It's actually not in episode 61. I just realized I went out of order here from my uh, outline here. But this is another great uh, clip from a uh, convenience store with uh, some follow-up of uh, what happened after the fact. So let's check out uh, the second convenience store, sound seeing, sound scene, sound tour, whatever you want to call it, clip. Here we go. Try
4: and get something to eat for dinner. All right, why don't you come along? I'll tuck you in my pocket and you can come. Okay, here we go. 発をしてしはい。はい that was brilliant. Two, two, two funny things happened while I was in the store. One, I, I thought I would try to give a commentary um, <laughs> about my choices, and as soon as I started, because I was looking at the vitamin water, I'm like, hmm, I'll I a little some vitamin water, and I realized there was a woman standing right next to me, and I think, I think that she thought I was talking to her, and she kind of like walked away and looked over her shoulder, so I think I scared her. I think that would scare me, too, if someone just sort of walked in and started saying stuff. But, (laughs) oh, three funny things. I I don't know if it caught it on the uh, recording, but as soon as I walked in, there was like this 70s, like, I don't know. It's kind of weird, funky music. got me in a funky mood. But the problem is is that the speaker was right under where all the feminine products were. So I I was going to stand under the speaker so you guys could get (laughs) a little... Uh, audio clip of that, but as soon as I got over there, I realized where I was, and I had to walk away. And then, the third thing was, right when I left, there's this song on, and it's like, lost like, as soon as I'm leaving, so I was reminded yet again of the, uh, the convenience store that's satisfying my needs, so, and that was kind of interesting. Wow.
0: Last
5: <laughs> <Lost chance. laughs>
0: I remember that. Uh, okay, let's go, let's kind of go back to episode 61 here. And uh, this is another really great clip. Um, this is a clip from Kobe with uh, my friend Terrence from the Kobe Beef podcast. Kobe Beef Show. Go check it out. Google that. Kobe Beef. Also, shout out to Terrence and his new business there, Kobe Beef Kick. They're selling some awesome t-shirts. Um, so definitely go check it out, especially if you're into meat you need some meat on your chest go to Kobe beefcake okay there's my pluck all right anyway um going back to this episode episode 61 uh right around the time of Terrence's birthday and my roommate Alex's birthday uh that must have been what December of last year uh Alex and I headed out to Kobe to hang out and uh, we ended up at this funk club in Kobe after a night of just oh man I love that town Kobe so many good things we went back to the bar that I went to when I was out there in 2005 to go drink some aomori, sorry aomori, and uh, man, oh, what a great time! And there's that uh, whiskey bar that, that's run by women uh, or that only employs women. That's also great, and they, you know, they take the ice and they do it upright with the off the ice block and everything. Oh, man, I, I just want to just transport myself back to Kobe right now. But anyway, um here's a clip from a funk club where um it, it's just a really cool clip because there's this awesome funk music in the back and we're just hanging out, uh chilling, and uh we're talking about of all topics, cats. So uh check it out
1: we'll put mocha and a bride's main fresh we'll put mocha and mocha time and the You know. hey like that. little Whole
7: time.
5: I'm not
7: We got it. We got it from, like, an animal welfare. That's the way to do That's the way you do it, I eh? think. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't want to buy a fucking cat. It's not yeah. worth it when there's cats in your home, you know? You yeah. get it, you get it, is it a here or see? Oh, see. It a she? Oh, she. What's oh, in
2: it now? She's got a... got a spin. Uh, No, but did you get her as a kid? Q, Yeah! yeah,
5: that's a, yeah I Yeah, well, uh, Pretty, yes. pretty rough. How do I, I
7: don't make this? I wow, cool pattern! Wow! The yeah, pattern sweet! Wow. You're happy! <laughs> that's, that's sweet!
2: That's pretty sweet pattern!
0: And that clip is like another world, huh? You know, you got the ding, 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 going on in the background, and we're talking about, hey, did you get her as a kitten? <laughs> that was a great night, though. That was, that was a lot of fun. So oh, there you go. That's some of the sounds that I just love from Japan that brings me back. There's a lot more in those episodes, too, so definitely check it out. And if you're a new listener and you're into sounds, go start with uh, episode 61. That'll That'll get you primed. Uh, for all the other podcasts. Uh, One of the other things that I just love about Japan um, and that I really got to experience with this podcast was the food. Well, I should say, in all fairness, food and drink. Uh, There's a lot of different things that uh, I had the opportunity to try and one of my uh, favorite bits is from episode six, where uh, Alex and I are recounting uh, our chicken experience. Um, this this is such a great episode because this is uh, one of the first episodes that I got Alex to participate in, and throughout uh, the rest of these clips, you'll see here, um, you'll 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 uh, get to experience this with Alex as well, who was always willing to. Go ahead and chip in some content and uh, always made, in my opinion, I think the podcast's much more interesting. It's so much better to have someone to talk to than sitting there talking to yourself all the time. So anyway, um, check this out. This is uh, one of our first experiences with not really knowing what you're eating in Japan. And again, this is from episode six. Let's move on to the raw Chicken. Raw chicken chicken sashimi <laughs> experience um I, don't know, I think it was like thursday thursday wednesday thursday last week yeah we, we had, it had to be thursday because we had just moved here mm-hmm. and we were looking for something to eat and i swear to god we I, now i don't know much um kanji in japanese so sometimes eating at more traditional places
1: yeah is it is a, a bit
0: tough. bit difficult can get a little tough and we were actually, we were in Kur- Kuramai, right across the river.
1: Yeah, it's around here.
0: And we had a place called Hiden.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think, yeah, it's called Hiden. Hiden. Yeah. I remember that because I'm like, it's hidden. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was a, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It was it seemed like it was a, it was like a, um, like a Niku place.
1: Uh, yakitori. Oh, yes, thank you. Yak- yakitori well, they had that's what they had on the outside. We saw like the pictures. They had posters. Yeah. They're all like yakitori, so I assume that's what it was. But they
0: had so much more. It wasn't just yakitori. Yeah, yeah. A lot of places in Japan will just have one thing, or one kind of thing, mm-hmm. like like uh, yakiniku, or yakitori, or gyoza, or yeah, yeah. dumplings. This place was, I don't know, just weird. So we got the menu, and uh, <laughs> I don't think you could have read much of it either.
1: Well, oh, see, I, I recognize the um, Hinai-jidori because back when I lived in Akita, um, well, look, Japan has three types of really famous domestic chickens. There's three, like, species of chicken that are native to Japan. They're really famous because they're supposed to be delicious. And uh, one of them is the Hinai chicken. The Hinai chicken. Yeah, okay. And that, that place, that town was like five minutes from where I lived in Akita. So that's why I recognize the kanji. Oh, so okay. like, oh, okay, you know, Hinajidori, you know, it's famous. <laughs> we got to hit this up, you know. Yeah, that's why I ordered it. And then I, I couldn't read much on the
0: menu, so I ordered one of the few things I could read, which was the Hata Hata. Uh-huh.
1: That's right.
0: So we sat down, and in the, in the um, person who was cooking, there was like a small glass enclosure, and they were cooking the yakitori, mm-hmm. like yeah. traditionally. It was taking quite a while for it to come, so we got this small bowl. Of stuff, and it looked like, I don't know, kind of looked like like salmon or like a cod or yeah, yeah. It, it was bizarre. I had a couple bites of it. I'm like, wow, this is really good. I wonder what mm-hmm. this is. I do You're like, I don't know what kind of fish this is, but it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little it had like a little vinegar sauce on it, and like like some a little a bit of roe, mm-hmm. yeah, and some greens, and like there's cucumbers and radish and stuff in there, and I'm like, this is not bad. And I, I had thought that. It was because we were waiting so long for our food. Right, right, yeah. So then um, <laughs> the uh, hata hata comes out, and I didn't realize that the hata hata is just a um, an entire fish, maybe about six inches long, head to tail, a little salted, but just mm-hmm. grilled, straight yeah. up grilled. And I'd been watching that fish grill right in front of me for about <laughs> 10 minutes, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm glad I didn't order that. So, immediately when that came, I kind of looked at you, and I'm like, dude, I think that's the
1: Hinaitori. Yeah.
0: And you're like, nah, dude.
1: <laughs> this isn't cooked. I was pretty sure it was the Yakitori. That's what I was, like, hoping for. Yeah. No, well, actually, when I saw it, I kind of had that really bad primitive. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Because <laughs> it wasn't fish, man. I could tell.
0: Now, we had... We had taken a while we looked at the kanji and it was like a different kanji for raw after we right. looked at it right and i don't i don't i can't visualize it but
1: if i ever see it again i'll know it well it's funny because there's a different character for raw it's like nama we like raw egg it would be like nama mm. tamago so right. it's almost like the kanji for life it is yeah right? it is the same one with like three horizontal bars mm-hmm.
0: one long middle bar and then like on the left side of the top one there's a small yeah that's the one okay yeah it's also the kanji in birth certificate i found out today because i went up to city hall yeah out there Mm -hmm. so starting to recognize some more it's good yeah that's usually the kanji for raw that's yeah that's the one i usually
1: recognize this this had something different so yeah i keep thinking it's it was a character for sashimi but i keep meaning to look that up i think
0: i'll have to Another uh, frequent, well, not frequent, twice, contributor to the podcast is uh, my good friend Fred, who at the time was back in the States and in Europe and all sorts of funky places and uh, managed to meet up with Fred through the miracle of technology to do two coffee episodes. Um, These episodes were dedicated entirely to the topic of Japanese coffee, which uh, among some people is a very serious topic. I mean, Japan Japan knows its coffee, and uh, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Japan and coffee. Um, This next clip is a clip from one of those episodes, episode 21, uh, where we talk a little bit about coffee in Japan. And um, another thing to check out in that uh, episode, too, is a uh, review from Scott Lockman of Tokyo Calling about uh, a coffee place that he went to called, let's see here, I think, uh, called Allais France. So definitely check that out to get the full effect. And um, like I said, episode 48 is a continuation of episode 21, where we talk about coffee in more detail, and we do some sound tours of various coffee places that I had mentioned before. But um, anyway, let's take a brief clip from episode 21, where Fred helps me discuss uh, the finer points of Japanese coffee. But yeah, so overall, let's let's rate Starbucks on a scale of of one to five. I, I give it about a... You know, I got to give it a three because it's nothing Mm. to write home about. It's Starbucks. It's consistent. It's okay. It's it's Starbucks.
7: Here's the one thing, though. I want to talk about something unique in Starbucks in Japan. Okay. So instead of little sugar packets like you get everywhere else in the world, they have this little – these little – they're like little – you know the little coffee creamers that come in these little plastic things with the paper top kind of thing, with the little foil paper top? Yes. Instead of actually putting a little sugar and you put these little sugar gooey things. And they have the regular sugar, too, but, but naturally, when in Japan, do like the Romans or whatever. and uh, So you put this stuff in your coffee, and it's actually so much better than like regular coffee and sugar in the United States.
0: Do you usually put sugar in your coffee? Is that like, are you basing this from
7: a sugar
0: in coffee mode in the U.S.?
7: I am actually. I, I have a high degree of, of changing upness with my coffee. So many times I put sugar in. Many times I, I don't put any sugar in. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I like to I like to mix it up. Depends on my mood. Depends on you know. I don't know. Whatever.
0: See, that's a and, difficult uh, thing for me to comment on. Um, so at least three or four different types of coffee. Now, there's is, there is one coffee type or one coffee manufacturer that's pretty prominent in Japan, and that's called Boss Coffee. And I think what I find amazing about Boss Coffee is on their logo, it says, um, the boss since 1992.
7: <laughs> well, he may be a relatively new boss, but he is definitely the boss.
0: He's the boss since 92, man. I started high school at 92. <laughs> no, 91
7: yeah 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 so you are you're a sophomore.
0: Now i I actually have a picture of vending machines that I'll put with the post here so if if, if the listener is listening now um, and you guys are interested, take a look at the show notes while you're listening and you will see a picture of the actual vending machines. I'm gonna I'm gonna show Fred the same thing right now. We're gonna go through and we're gonna talk about maybe some of the ones that we've
5: had here.
7: Really, I think that, that we can pretty safely say we've had probably all of them. I think so. I remember the hundred percent black or whatever it is, coffee.
0: Okay, so in this in this particular photo right now, we see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different types of actual coffees. This this particular machine didn't have any Boss coffee
7: in it, I don't believe. Yeah, at least we don't see any. No, I think it's I think it's important to discuss the red versus blue labels. So the blue labels are all cold coffee, like iced coffee, and all the red labels are all hot coffee. So the actual cans themselves are, are are hot and cold because the machine actually has like a hot compartment and a cold compartment to give you your hotter iced coffee as as you please.
0: If you if you actually read the labels, too, the, the top ones say, for those who are studying Japanese, they say, "sumitai," which is... Um, the adjective used for any sort of cold drink not cold weather but, but a cold drink and then the red labels are attakai it actually means warm it doesn't mean hot but one of the things that's really interesting about these types of machines is that though they do have uh, how, how to describe this though they do have hot drinks more often than not the can is burning hot and the liquid inside <laughs> is just sort of semi
7: warm <laughs> i was just gonna i was just gonna mention that so the can is actually a, like it feels like it's it's thick enough to be a steel can and it just it's hot it really is hot it's very hard to hold in your hand they need like a little starbucks sleeve there's a new type of coffee that i've been really digging it's called uh big black big black that that kind of reminds me of bear beer but that's a
5: different podcast
0: some of coffee right now so bad okay uh let's move on episode 23 is another classic and the only reason why i put this in here is because scott had mentioned this a while ago about how this is one of his uh favorite episodes um specifically because of a quote uh that i made I'm speaking, of course, of the Miracle Fruit episode. In this episode, um, Alex and I went to uh, Namja Town in the, uh, I think it's the Ikebukuro Sunshine Building area. There's a, I guess you you could call it an indoor food amusement park. I think that's the best description for this place. You have to listen to the episode to get the full effect of Namja Town. Now I got the song stuck in my head. Namja, Namja. Ah, great episode. But anyway, in this episode, Alex and I go to the Miracle Fruit Cafe. And uh, the Miracle Fruit is a, uh, it's kind of like a seed that you chew, and it turns sour things into sweet things. Um, You can get some more detail on that episode, but definitely check it out. And um, we're going to go to a clip here about that episode. And uh, one of the things I love about this episode is the music in the background. So pay attention to that. Here we go, episode twenty-three, the miracle fruit episode, one of my favorite clips.
7: So I guess one of the interesting things about the miracle fruit is that all these desserts I guess taste super sweet, but they really
0: stress like how many calories there are in it. There's very there's very few. These
7: comparatively speaking, yeah.
1: Kilocalories? Yeah. I think the same because because you're having e- eating the miracle fruit,
3: it normally wouldn't be sweet.
5: It's probably not like, the sugar in it. Right, right. Yeah.
3: So I guess like after taking the miracle fruit, it tastes just as good, but you don't have all the calories
1: and the sugar. I hope we don't die. Yeah, we have no idea what we're doing. We <laughs> order something <laughs> else.
4: Dude, there's a hypodermic needle on this platter. This Alright, so we're gonna take the miracle fruit now.
3: I guess we're supposed to just chew it.
0: it. Tastes a little sweet. Now it's starting
7: to get really bitter. <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh
7: man, this is pretty terrible actually. Are we
1: supposed it?
7: I think you can. I don't think it's hurting. Mine turned into
0: pulp.
1: Now, of course it felt kind of like a heat. Really? like Like my tongue like hot sensation. It looks like a tic-tac, if you bite it in the dark it'll spark It's pretty
5: sour.
0: Almost like tingly bitter. Mm, now it's getting really weird. Wow.
3: I start biting through the skin.
1: Oh, this is weird. It's not too bad. huh? I can't know. <laughs> it's getting progressively worse, actually. Mine's pretty much disintegrated. Me too. I think i just gonna as I don't know how you can get it. it. Well, it's been two minutes.
0: So what do we start with here? I think I'm just gonna go straight in.
1: Uh, I'm like going straight I'm gonna go for the, the kiwi first. I'm going straight in for the lemon. Here we go, here we go.
5: Mm. It tastes like an orange. <laughs> does
0: it? <laughs>
6: oh.
5: yeah, I'll try my
1: lemon. It does taste sweet. It does taste orange. I'm going to go right
3: to, for the gourmet for the plum.
5: still
0: really Hmm. sour just pause the recorder here to eat some what are these pecans I think so no almonds I don't know my nuts I'm hopeless ah but let's, let's get back to the podcast here yeah and then episode 41 the drink review this is a great clip because Alex and I try to do some math to figure out what the uh, watered down nika actually is um, in Japan I mean I, I talk about this in the podcast but uh, to give some context um in in Japanese convenience stores are usually the test bed for new products and new products especially drinks don't last very long for we had like Pepsi cucumber for I don't know how long maybe like a week um, and then also with the seasons there's various different beers and drinks and everything else that comes out so As a side bit to some of the podcasts, we would do a drink review where Alex and I would uh, buy a bunch of drinks from the convenience store and kind of go over them uh, with the listener and say, oh, this drink's good, this drink's not. In retrospect, it's kind of funny because these drinks are around so infrequently that by the time someone came to Japan and looked for that drink, they probably wouldn't be able to find it. So it's really just us sharing the experience more than anything else, but it was a lot of fun. This clip, uh, in particular, is kind of funny for two reasons. One, because <clears throat> obviously we're already getting a little bit inebriated, and you can kind of hear it in our voices. Um, but the other thing, too, is some really cool music in the background. Um, our neighborhood was beginning to have their matsuri, and they were either in the midst of it or practicing. I don't quite remember. But definitely check this one out, too, episode 41. And uh, this is the uh, drink review where Alex and I discuss the finer points of n- Nika whiskey and attempt... To do math. So, we arrived in the convenience store today, and I see this uh, Nika black clear blend in a standard soda can, and it says something tense I can't read it, there's too much ganji there. Well,
1: the first two characters, I think it's ten, ten tenjan? Tenjan. Tenjan. And... Mizu-wari. Mizu-wari, so mixed with water. Or Tenzen Mizuwari. I'm not sure what the second okay. one is. But I mean, it's natural. So I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be some sort of, like, soda drink with a little bit of whiskey. Like a whiskey and,
0: like a whiskey and club soda mm. or something like that. No. Mm. This is uh, Nika Whiskey. And, you know, mm. Nika Whiskey is nothing to write home about, but it's decent.
1: Right.
0: Well, this is quite terrible, actually. Because they've watered it down in incredible it amount. Is, yeah. <laughs>
1: I have to admit it's incredibly well
0: and I think Nika on average um, I don't know what the proof is and I'm looking for how much alcohol but this has 9% that's quite low I still have
1: a flask of Nika actually okay. Okay. I can Let's go grab check it. that out it's kind of cool that we have this background music <laughs> Beth you opened this Yeah, it's
0: coming in pretty clear. I just opened the window
1: a little bit. But I don't think they're actually doing the festival. Nah. It's probably just... Rehearsal, maybe? Yeah, regular Nika has uh, 37% alcohol. 37%
0: alcohol. Mm. So, they had to dilute it... uh, Four times. So it's one part... Water or one part Nika, yeah, and four parts. Well, because it, well, if they added half the amount of water, if they added just like water, mm-hmm. well, I'm never gonna start doing math on this thing. Okay? <laughs> if they added water and Nika in equal amounts, right,
1: well, be like 18, it'd be
0: 18, like percent roughly. If they did twice as much water as mm-hmm. Nika, then it would be a third, right. So there's three parts water. Right, one part. One part and can... Yeah. Okay. So this is a ratio of 3 to 1 water. So take a, take like a a little you know cup and fill it up a quarter and then pour water in the rest and that's what I'm drinking right now. It's quite quite bad. Yeah. So it was, it was really Man, that's this pretty funny. <laughs> I really like the music in the background, though. I think later that evening we went out, kind of walked around, checked it out. You know, one of the things that's disappointing is that throughout the um, production of this podcast, I was keeping some notes and doing some behind-the-scenes kind of work, which it's kind of weird because the podcast itself is pretty intimate, so there's no real behind-the-scenes. Like the podcast itself is sort of a behind-the-scenes of you know my life, or at least my life during that period. But I did have some good video footage. Unfortunately, my external hard drive crashed earlier this year, and I lost all of that extra footage and all that extra sound. So, but I do have these bits and pieces, and uh, you know, listening back to this episode certainly uh, helps me remember uh, some of the memories. So, that's uh, some information about the food and drink in Japan. Um, also, there was a lot of pictures on my Flickr account where I actually created a set just for food and uh, talked about some of the different food items I had run across. So you can check that out too on the site while it's still there. What do you mean while it's still there? Well, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, let's sort of take a quick break and then uh, we'll cons- uh, we'll complete uh, part one here and I will move on to part two of the final episode of Finding Japan. <laughs> Welcome back. Do you feel well-rested? I hope so. This is going to be a long episode. I'm sorry, guys. You may have to break it up. I thought about actually breaking it up into multiple um, actual physical recordings, but then I'm like, you know, 64 is a nice number. I I really like that number. I I had hoped that I'd get to 100 at some point, but that never happened. But 64 is a good number, you know, 8 by 8, nice and even, round, round. I don't know. I like that number, 64, so we're going to leave it at 64. But do you know that Finding Japan is actually more than 64 episodes? Uh, Finding Japan started before I even arrived in Japan, and it actually started in 2005 when Fred and I uh, came to Japan and uh, had a set of experiences. That's where I met Saya for the first time. Uh, We met up with uh, Terrence down in Kobe. And uh, we had some great experiences, including staying in um, uh, Koyasan, which I think is south, southeast of Osaka, maybe about two hours by various modes of transportation. But yeah, our experiences in Japan uh, before I even arrived here for the podcast are documented and uh, are part of the uh, Finding Japan legacy. So if you haven't checked that out and if you've listened for a while, go back. There's some pretty cool stuff. I think uh, maybe the first eight episodes are video, and there might be one audio podcast. I'm not sure, um, and then there were also maybe two or three well, what I'll call prologue, or yeah, prologue episodes, um, to finding Japan as well, where I talked a little bit about what was going on in my MBA program and uh, what I was expecting before leaving. And those are really cool because in in a lot of ways it's it's very interesting to see, um, where my head was at before I came to Japan. And that's where I want to turn to next. So, um, what I'm going to play for you now is one of the, uh, clips from one of those prologue episodes. And this goes all the way back to October of 2006. So this is over two years ago. So let's take a, a listen to that episode going all the way back to late 2006. Um, I am currently in business school, um, which has been a recent development. I think at this point, I've been in business school since the end of July, and we've already completed nine classes, so it, it's pretty amazing. And I uh, apologize if there's some road noise here, um, you guys are actually sitting in my visor right now as I'm driving um, to this person's house. but. Um, Basically, uh, I am in my late 20s, and I am interested in other cultures, specifically Japan, and really finding Japan is a little less about obviously finding Japan, because we all know where it is on a map, and more about finding myself in Japan, and uh, basically growing as a person, um, culturally, uh, knowledge-wise, and just, you know, being... little more generally aware of what it's like to be a human being. And that is essentially the goal at this point. I apologize if I'm stuttering too here. I'm trying to drive and talk at the same time. So this may not turn out to be actually usable. Um, I've also been quite inspired by some podcasters. Uh, what's funny is I don't even remember what I recorded that with. I'm trying to think, what the hell did I put in my visor? Uh, so in another brief episode here, another, another nugget from the prologues, is uh, 25 days before I left for Japan, I recorded another episode. So let's kind of look back on that really quick. We'll set up the next bit here where we talk about experiences in Japan. That uh, it would be about time to get back in the podcasting habit, uh, seeing as there are only 25 days left until I leave for Japan, which was the... uh, Leaving for Japan was the primary reason for starting this podcast, um, so that people who are interested in possibly moving there or uh, would just like to get to know a little more about what it's like for a uh, person who's not familiar with Japan to... Live there for an extended period of time. Um, hopefully, I can share some of those experiences with those who are interested. And if you're not, and you're just listening anyway, I'm not really sure why you're listening, but it's okay. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, and I, you know, looking back on that, I really hope that I was able to do that with Finding Japan. Um, You know, I I became familiar with Japan. I found Japan. (laughs) I guess that's sort of the running joke with the name of the podcast, right? Did you ever find Japan? You know, you were there for 18 months. Uh, Yes, I did. Um, But uh, more importantly than finding Japan or learning about Japan is um, finding myself. And that was one of the main reasons why I went to Japan is really to learn about myself and to expand um, myself as a person. And um, there was a lot of... uh, experiences, humbling, exciting, confusing, weird, strange, funny, all sorts of things that happened while I was in Japan. And uh, that's what this next section is about, really, is exploring and learning and getting around and sort of the experiences in Japan. And I, I really can't claim to try and sum up all of those experiences in a short podcast episode where I summarize the entire podcast. I'm not trying to do that. Um, If you're interested in Japan, I would really recommend going through and listening to the whole podcast, and I'll talk a little bit more about where you'll be able to get it forever uh, a little later. Um, But, you know, there are some things that are worth pointing out. Um, One experience I thought was really cool, (laughs) in retrospect but not at the time, was getting a cold in dealing with sort of the medical system of Japan. Um, there were a few episodes about that because I did have um, some minor medical problems, you know, cold, et cetera, while I was there. So I, I got to experience that. But um, there was this great experience with uh, having a cold and working with my local pharmacist. And uh, I recount the story, I think, in episode 16, uh, where I talk about this entire experience of dealing with my local pharmacist. And um, it, it's quite hilarious because I think I was still had a cold at the time, so I was kind of still fed up with it, but uh, was able to look back on it and and uh, make fun of myself. So check this out. This is uh, from episode 16 called Getting a Cold. So one morning I woke up, I think it was a Sunday morning actually, and decided that I was feeling pretty horrible enough to try and go get some medicine. Now, uh, Sunday wasn't a holiday, I believe, so um, most of these stores were open. A few times I had gone back and forth um, through the neighborhood and I had gone by a place that looked like it was one of those medicine stores. So, I hopped on my bike on Sunday and I went over to that place and there was a elderly gentleman i'd have to say he was in his mid to late 70s possibly early 80s it's difficult to tell with japanese people sometimes and uh he was very nice and i explained to him in my limited japanese that um i had a cold and my throat was sore my throat no, and i didn't say sore my throat hurt and my ears and nose and throat felt like they were full he uh Said a bunch of stuff. I probably understood a good third of it. And eventually he handed me these pills. And the pills were uh, 1,650 yen, which ends up being approximately $13, I would say. So uh, I looked in my wallet, and I only had a 1,000 yen. So I apologized to him profusely, and I said, okay, I'll be right back. I will return. Um, I will go home and get money and come back. So I went home and the only thing I had was a uh 1 or 10,000 yen bill which is about $80. So it's it would roughly equivalent to the US 100 but then with the conversion rate uh it ends up being somewhere around $80 I think. I bring the money back and he kind of looks at me and he He says, you know, which was basically like, you know, I can't, that bill is bad. I can't take it. I I knew what he meant. He wasn't saying that my money was no good. It's just he couldn't break a bill that large uh, for a single purchase. So at this point, I am like sweating. I have the, I'm hot and cold at the same time. I don't know how that's possible, but it it was happening. I uh, was feeling pretty bad, and I'm like, okay, all right. So let's go to the convenience store and buy some of these huge bottles of um, amino amino acid resupply. Uh, the closest equivalent I can think of in U.S. terms would be something like Gatorade, except it's clear, it's made by Kirin Beverage, and um, it's called like Amino Supply. So I went to the grocery store that was maybe about a five-minute bike ride down the road, and I picked up... A few of those, and I I had been to that grocery store plenty of times, and they know me, so they were they were okay with me giving them a hundred. So I bought maybe three hundred yen worth of uh, drinks with uh, essentially ten thousand yen bills. So I apologized to them, and then I rode back to the to the uh, pharmacy store again and, and explained to them. Now this time, the late the the man's wife. Was in there with her, and as soon as I walked in, they both started apologizing profusely. I think they could see that I was like sweating, I wasn't feeling good, and I have a feeling, you know, I sort of ran the uh, backstory in in the back of my mind. Um, later on that evening and I have a feeling that the woman came down because she heard a foreigner talking and by the time she came down I was gone and then the guy explained to her that I had a hundred and she probably yelled at him because because I was in pain and she he should have just taken the bill anyway that's the uh in my imagination that was pretty much how it went out but I I don't really know how it worked so I, I got back to the store the third time and they were both there and the woman was so nice And he brought the pills over, and I paid for them with uh, uh, 2,000 yen bills. And uh, they wanted to sit there and talk to me, and I was like, oh, God, here we go. Now, they didn't know English, but I think they were just curious to speak to a foreigner. And I'm really curious to speak to Japanese people, too. In fact, sometimes I'll make up—I'll know the way to go to get somewhere, but I will stop and ask somebody for directions just because I want to practice my Japanese. I know what it means to be extroverted— to, you know, especially in this environment, to want to talk to people. And I think Japanese people generally feel the same way about foreigners. They're a bit hesitant, but at the same time, um, they're curious. So the woman started asking me, you know, do I live in Sumida? And I told her where I lived. And and then she started asking me, well, why are you here? And I told her I was studying Japanese. And at this point, I really felt like I was just going to pass out. So I sort of steadied myself against the wall and she kept speaking to me. And eventually, you know, I, I was understanding less and less and less. And I realized it wasn't because of my language skill, but it was more because of just my physical state. I could not focus on what this woman was saying. And I felt awful about it. So eventually, I just said, you know, I stopped her and I said, excuse me, I have a cold. I feel really bad. I, I'm going to go home now. Thank you very much. And I think she kind of got it. And they let me go. And I um, returned home. It wasn't all that bad, um, but it definitely was kind of funny looking back on that. Um, another great set of experiences I had there, um, which I talked about a little a little before, is just exploring Japan. Uh, in episode seventeen, I just took a walk through Asakusa, and there's this great bit in there where I'm walking from store to store, and I'm just sort of naming off and rattling uh, the stores that I'm seeing and sort of laying out some coffee shops too in in prep for the coffee episode, but um, it's kind of neat to just sort of uh, remember those stores and that there's this really great uh, shopping street. I think it's called Nakamise Dori uh, across the street. It starts um, towards the riverside of Asakusa and you can walk pretty much all the way through Asakusa down to the department stores um, in this covered mall area. And it goes perpendicular to the, uh, road of shops that leads to Meiji, Jingu. So really easy to find if you're in the area. But this is me walking through that area and sort of checking out some of the stores that I had seen. So let's take a quick listen to that.
3: It looks like very cheap coffee and they have pancakes. Man, I should have just came up here. Uh, here's another one. There's a coffee, uh, my god, this, this place is full of places that have pancakes and coffee. I, I, I totally went to the wrong place today. Hold on, let me, let me take a picture of this one, too. <laughs> Man, if this keeps up, this is going to be uh, kind of crazy. I, I'm thinking, um, I'm actually sort of having a flashback, too, thinking back to my time with Fred here. Um, I think one of the first nights we arrived, we actually went up to Osaka to go eat dinner at this place. And uh, I think this is the area we were in because we just walked by, we and together, and just walked by a store that had uh, a bunch of alcohol in it. It looks really familiar. I think that's where I bought my uh, bottle of uh, the home shoe that I had uh, bought when I was there before. But um, anyway, to get back to these coffee shops, yeah, there's a ton. And I guess the lesson is just explore more, and you end up finding things that uh, you haven't seen before.
0: Another fun part of learning to live in Japan was learning to deal with the commuting. Like I said, I didn't have a car in Japan, and I had a bicycle for a short period of time, which I talk about in episode 30 called, uh, well, I don't know if that's the name of the episode, but uh, the episode's about getting my bike stolen. Um, It's a really good episode. I recommend checking it out. Uh, So good, I'm not going to put a clip. Um, But, um, no, one of the things that uh, I remembered from Japan is the uh, PASMO, card system that had come out when... uh, uh, I had just gotten there, or just shortly before I got there, it was a new system, and they were running this commercial that I remember, and I had it stuck in my head for, God, a year, and I totally forgot about it until I started doing research for this show, so now I'm going to throw it back in there and have you guys uh, have this thing stuck in your head, but um, I think I may have also posted a link to the commercial, but uh, here we go. This is from episode 19, the Commute Cast, where Alex and I talk about getting around in Japan and how to do it and how the transportation system works and uh, here's the clip of the uh, pasmo commercial now i think tokyo metro has the pasmo Mm -hmm,
1: right
0: which uh man i I can never get that freaking song out of my head i'm gonna (laughs) find it and i'm gonna insert it right here Okay. Um. So now you'll have it stuck in your head. Ha. Maybe. Maybe I'll get it out of my. Head. <laughs> no, it, it's a really cute commercial. So there were quite a few other great experiences that I had in this podcast, and um, we'll talk a little bit about those. Uh, episode 36 is where I recall climbing Mount Fuji. Definitely um, a good episode for someone who is interested in climbing Mount Fuji. I talk a little bit about uh, what we had to do, what it was like, and uh, what I would have done differently, I think. Um, Also, uh, in episode 38, I talk about uh, heading to Miyajima and uh, playing with deer, uh, which is uh, an activity that we did uh, during our summer vacation in Japan, where Linda came out, and we toured Japan for about two weeks doing various things. Um, there's a lot of other great content, I think, in the podcast for someone interested in Japan, and also a lot of other, what I would call reflective content, um, where I learned a lot about myself. Um, one episode that comes to mind is where I discuss the allegory of the overcoat. Um, I'm not going to put a clip of that on there or bore you with it, but, um, I really think that documenting this experience in Japan allowed me to really reflect on myself and my own personal growth. So there's sort of the Zen moment of the wrap-up podcast. But um, I think I learned a lot, and uh, I'm glad I was able to share it with people who are interested and sort of reflect on it now. Um, The other thing probably to note about the podcast, if you haven't listened to it before, and this is your first episode, uh, welcome, you know, that we're over an hour into the podcast, Um, But there were a lot of video episodes, and uh, I recommend going to check those out as well. They will be part of the Finding Japan archive. Um, Episode 5, we took a tour of Meiji Jingu, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I think it was my second or third time there, the main shrine in Tokyo. Uh, Episode 8 was the Hanami episode, where I met up with some friends, including uh, Terrence from uh, from (laughs) from Finding Japan. No, Terrence from... Kobe Beef Show, and uh, we got incredibly uh, saucy that night and uh, had a lot of fun, but you can see some of the video from before that. Let's see, we did some cooking with Alex where we tried to make hot dog faces. Uh, um, There's episode 14 where we rode the Tokyo monorail, rode my bike to Otemachi one day, and did a video podcast of that. There's some slideshow video from the Asakusa Tanabata Festival uh... the Yakiimo truck which we talked about before I actually got that guy on film uh... there's got some of the boats that go up and down the sumida river uh... obviously the deer of miyajima there's a tokyo game show episode if you guys are interested in that episode forty seven and uh... episode fifty four where we went to the osaka aquarium among other episodes there's some other stuff there too but go check it out if you're into video um, there were some things there, so probably about a dozen or so video episodes that we were able to do. Okay, where do we go from here? Uh, well, let's wrap it up, I think. Um, some final thoughts. Uh, you know, this this I'm, I'm glad I had a chance to do this final episode. I'm, I'm sorry it took so long to do, but hopefully it sort of caps off the Finding Japan experience. Um, I do have uh, some audio I want to share with y'all. <laughs> you all, and that's... Uh, living in south carolina for you y'all so much so much more efficient don't you think it's kind of like japanese where they shorten words and uh completely well they completely change the meaning of the word often but uh, y'all is a nice shortcut so let's stick with that um i hope uh, it was enjoyable for everybody else um, this exercise was kind of like a yearbook looking back and uh It was a lot of fun. Um, Looking back on these episodes, I realized I had a lot of fun doing the episodes, and I also realized that uh, I wish I could do this in more phases of my life, because um, I had mentioned before that my hard drive crashed, and I was really bummed out because there was a lot of stuff, a lot of audio and a lot of video that I wish I could have saved, but as I started doing the research for this final episode, I realized man, there's a lot of good stuff here. You know, when you go on vacation, you bring your camera and you're like, oh, I'm going to take all these pictures. I'm going to do all this great stuff and put it together when I get home. And then you come home and you have like four pictures and a video of like, you know, the waiter getting the food or something incredibly uninteresting. Well, this podcast actually forced me to create interesting content. And looking back on it, or <laughs> at least I hope it was interesting. Looking back on it now, I'm thinking, wow, you know, I'm glad I did this because I will have this and I'll be able to keep it and show it to my kids or bore them, bore my grandkids with it someday. So I'm glad I did that. And it makes me really wonder if I should do that with, uh, more phases of my life. Um, I don't think my daily life now is as interesting, um, as it was in Japan, at least to other people. Um, so I don't really think I will do a, a life podcast kind of deal or a, or what, call it a, uh, human interest story podcast moving forward, Um, just because I don't think life in the United States would be all that interesting. Um, Our culture is pretty much spread out all over the world, so people kind of know what it's like to live here already, I think, but uh, whereas living in Japan really is a a different perspective and for some reason um, interesting to others, including myself, um, as I still listen to um, many of my friends and and colleagues in Japan and the, the content that they keep producing, so... I don't know, I guess that's my final thoughts. Um, Another final thought is uh, I think I found Japan, uh, but more importantly, I think I found uh, myself and learned a lot about myself. Um, I would encourage anyone who is thinking about living or working abroad um, to go ahead and do it. Um, If you have reservations, just uh, know that it can be a great growing experience and a uh, very humbling experience experience in terms of learning things about yourself. So I would highly recommend doing it uh, to anybody. Um, if you're a college student or even a high school student and you have the opportunity to study abroad, do it. That's one of the things I completely regret not doing when I was in high school and college. So take advantage of that. And um, if, if for whatever reason you wish you could have gone to Japan but didn't, well, uh, hopefully this podcast has helped you live vicariously through my experiences, which is one of the points of this podcast. So there you go. Um, let's see some special notes here. Um, I asked for some thoughts, uh, from some of the listeners and I got some responses. So I'm going to play those next and, uh, hopefully, uh, these, well, I know these people have, uh, enjoyed listening to the podcast, but I want to say uh, more than that, um, I've, I've enjoyed their friendship um, both remotely and uh, for those that I've gotten to know through the podcast and had the opportunity to meet. Um, the first uh, sort of goodbye or farewell will be from uh, Aaron. So here we go.
2: Hey, Christopher, it's Aaron from Hamamatsu, leaving you uh, an auto message. Uh, About my favorite parts of finding Japan, and what those could be. Uh, Well, there are a lot of them, and I think mostly it has to do with your hospitality. And by hospitality, I mean not just in the physical sense, in that I have met you and, you know, gotten to know you better. In, in in a personal sense but also that your hospitality in terms of putting out your personal experiences in an open and honest and uh, authentic way to anyone who would want to hear them and uh, that's a... it's a very um, I hospitable thing to do I guess uh, because not only, not only has it helped uh, with my own experiences in Japan. Because as you know, I I've, I've been here as well for a little bit less of the time than that you've been here. A little I, I arrived a few months after you did, but um, it's really it's really helped me um, understand a lot of a lot of aspects, uh, be able to expect a lot, a lot more, uh, or going to, go into social situations expecting more or, um, being more informed about getting more out of all of my social situations here. And that might sound a bit, uh, maybe grandiose or far-fetched, but I don't mean it to be. I, I, uh, I really do feel as though it's... You know this, this is almost the uh, equivalent of the lonely planet travel guide or, um, or or any any sort of hostile guide to travelers guide to Japan um, this is really from start to finish I think we, even in your earlier episodes very much an adequate representation of how it is to live here and I don't know I think it's I think it's been a really really uh interesting and entertaining and informative and uh process in in total and I'm sorry if I'm I'm, I'm gushing a little bit but but I'm really uh I'm really going to be sad to see it to see it end and maybe that's also because my time here is ending as well so again maybe <laughs> maybe it's a bit uh maybe it's a bit too um you know I don't I don't mean to gush so much, but nonetheless, there you have it. Uh, I appreciate your project, and uh, I think I'll look back on it and remember my own experiences. And uh, and uh, I don't know. I think it's I I just think that it's been a special thing, and um, I can't wait to hear more from you. And uh, I'm just really glad that uh, that you you decided to put it all out there for all of us, really. And I think uh, I think that everyone would agree that that's been really helpful in many, many ways. So, sorry to see it go. Uh, sorry to see you go. But hopefully I could see you in Tokyo before you leave. And maybe even North America when you get back there and I get back there. So, for now, take care and we'll talk to you soon, okay?
0: Bye-bye. Thanks, Aaron. That was really nice. Actually, I, I didn't even listen to that until I... Uh was going to do the production for this episode. So thank you very much. Um, for those of you who don't know, Aaron, um, was a great individual living in Hamamatsu for a while. And, um, he also had a podcast called letters to Nana. That was excellent. Um, so I recommend you go check that out if it's still up. Um, but, uh, Linda and I had the opportunity to meet Aaron and he's just a a great individual and a, a very thoughtful man. Um, so, you know, this is not very surprising to me because we've met quite a few great people here in Japan, or there in Japan, I say it like I'm still there, but I'm not. Um, no, but we met quite a few great people and Aaron is certainly one of those great people and um, I I hope that I did that and I hope that, uh, I'm glad that you, you got that out of uh, the podcast and I hope that um, other people do as well and, um, you know, it was really great meeting you and uh, Linda and I really enjoyed uh, your company when you came up to Asakusa, and I uh, had dinner with us and walked around for a while, Now that, that was really nice, and hopefully we'll get to uh, see each other again uh, if we get up to the uh, Pacific Northwest area, um, up above there, a little further over there in Canada, so hope you're doing well, and thanks for your comments, and uh, hope to catch up with you really soon. And And by the way, Aaron is a mean chess player. He just beat me the other day on Facebook, so... Uh, At least we have chess to keep in touch, and uh, I'm looking forward to a rematch. (laughs) Okay, uh, let's see. Some special notes. Where is Finding Japan going to physically go? Um, I'm going to move all of the files over to archive.org. Um, Archive.org is a great place to store archival content. Um, It has a ton of media, Um, usually I think it's mostly open source or out of copyright material. Um, I've put many of my projects up there, but go ahead and go to www.archive.org and search for Finding Japan and you will be able to find all of the episodes. Uh, for this podcast, including all of the prologues and uh, video episodes as well. So go there and check it out. Uh, the findingjapan.com site may be retired at a later date. I will leave it as is for now. Um, but I will put a splash page at some point in the future that'll repoint to the archive.org material and try to find a way to keep the podcast feed up so that uh, people can continue to, to subscribe to it through itunes and um through the podcast feed link i'm not quite sure if i'll keep the actual domain name i I may do that um but uh we'll see i'm not exactly sure when it expires uh let's see people that uh, i'd like to thank Uh, there's many many people Um, i'd like to say i'd like to thank um, all the people that i worked with um, including uh, mizuno-san matsura-san Uh, Ishikawa-san, Hino-san, Suzuki-san, Sakamoto-san, and many others that uh, continued to listen to the podcast. I also want to thank um, uh, Saya, who welcomed me to Japan on my first trip, um, and her friend Rinko as well, who gave me a place to stay when I first got to Japan. Um, Thank you very much. Uh, Without your kind hospitality, I think my initial impressions of Japan would have been very different. Uh, so because of you, uh, the spirit of this podcast owes a large part to uh, your hospitality. And um, like Aaron said, I think I learned that from um, my friends, Saya and Rinko. And um, thank you again for uh, extending your friendship to me and uh, continuing to be a very good friend uh, to myself and, and others. So thank you very much. i also like to thank um, all the people that I met at the uh, Tachinomi in Kamata. Uh, including Kon chan, uh, Machan, the master there, um, Shoko Mei chan, everybody else from uh, Kanata. Um, had a great time with everybody there. I miss you all very much. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to get in touch um, the next time I, I come down to uh, Tokyo. Uh, let's see, I'd also like to thank uh, Terrence, Terrence Young from Kobe Beef Show Podcast. Uh, Terrence has been an awesome friend. Um, He's come up to to our place to crash a couple times. Um he's come out out to uh, to Tokyo to visit friends and every time he's come up he's given me a ring. Uh gone down to visit him a few times with, with Alex and with Linda and with Fred and everybody. So it's, it's just Terrence is just an awesome guy. I mean, hanging out down there in Kobe, but man, he's got a he's got a heart of gold. And uh another one of those rare people who just welcomes everybody and um had a lot of great times with terrence and i look forward to quite a few more so terrence thanks a lot man um a lot of the stuff in this podcast goes out to you of course uh you made you were a big part of that so thanks uh i'd also like to thank scott lockman he's been sort of the uh intellectual mentor for me in terms of thinking about podcasting and formats and all that and also the uh the godfather of podcasting um there in Japan. So Scott, thank you very much for your input, uh, your ear, your conversations. It's always been a pleasure to speak with you and uh, look forward to many more of um, your projects moving forward and uh, perhaps some collaborations in the future. So uh, look, we'll be in touch about that. Thanks for everything again. i also like to thank uh, Rich Pav. Uh, Though I didn't get a chance to meet him directly while I was out there, I do appreciate his podcast, and it's been been a big influence on this podcast as well. So thanks, Rich. Uh, Keep at it, and uh, look forward to what's to come with your podcast and uh, your blogging efforts there in Japan. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Melissa Chase, who uh, ran a great blog about Japan uh, for a while and takes some amazing photographs of Japan, um, specifically of uh, Geisha in Kyoto. So I don't know if she still listens to the podcast, but um, your your photos have been an inspiration. So I appreciate them greatly. And um, I know she's, uh, I think she's back in D.C. now, so she's no longer in Japan. But she spent quite a while, I believe, in the JET program and uh, has some beautiful photographs. A really accomplished photographer. I think she actually had some stuff published through National Geographic, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but definitely look her up as well. Her blog is M Boogie Down Japan. Uh, Down mboogiedown, M B O O G I E D O W N dash Japan.blogspot.com. So definitely check that out. Uh, also want to thank Aaron uh, again. Um, I've enjoyed uh, becoming his friend and finally meeting him. And um, it was great to bounce some of my experiences in Japan. Off of Aaron, and uh, it, it seems like we've had many of the same experiences. So that's always fun to know. And uh, from the looks of Aaron's pictures, too, I believe he made some great friends in Japan, and um, I'm sure he's a great friend to many people as well. Let's see. Uh, I also like to thank Fred and Alex, uh, who helped contribute to the podcast. Um, they've been friends before the podcast, obviously, and uh, will continue to be friends. I'd also like to thank uh, my wife Linda for being patient with the time that it takes to put this together and, uh, watching me talking to a microphone by myself, (laughs) though, she never actually really listened to the podcast. Um, I do believe that she, uh, enjoyed some of the experiences and the people that, uh, were able to meet through the podcast. So thanks Linda. Okay. I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, Geez, I don't know what else to say. I think we should just cut it off. Uh, Oh, there's one more thing. Um, People were asking what I'm going to do moving forward. Um, I'm still working on the project. I'm doing some pre-production with a friend of mine now on the latest project. It is not Japan-related, and it is not culture-related. It's completely different, and I don't want to use Finding Japan as a soundboard for that new project. So I will say this. If you are interested in learning what that project is, please shoot me off an email Christopher at FindingJapan.com, and um, I will put you on a a list for uh, any new projects that come out, and then that way uh, I don't have to subject you to anything not Japan-related if you're not interested. So that's going to do it. 64 episodes, uh, plus or minus, some additional ones. I had a great time in Japan, learned an awful lot, and I thank you for listening to this podcast and uh, all these recordings. And I hope that they uh, encourage more people to find their own Japan sometime in the future. Thanks, and I'll talk to you all later. Bye.